Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Good morning, mamas. I'm so excited to bring you today's guest. She's amazing. B is a birth lover, midwife, personal trainer, author, wife, mother, and creator of Core and Floor Restore. She is wildly passionate about every woman finding their own ability to use their bodies and mind to create an ability in all aspects of life. She believes strengthening your core and pelvic floor is fundamental for a healthy and strong body. She fully believes that there isn't enough focus on healing in today's society. And as mamas and women, we need to take that time to heal our bodies and recover. So you're going to absolutely love this incredible episode. Good morning, B. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. As I was talking to you last night, I said, I've been stalking your Instagram page. I love the content that you're pushing out you're amazing you're supporting mums and it's just it's awesome so tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how you became part of this incredible pelvic floor passion for women's health and a top mama tip so I selfishly became passionate because well, it was a selfish reason because I wanted to fix my own pelvic floor. That's how I really got into it. But I am a fan of stalkers, so thanks for stalking me. So my <laughs> name is B. I'm a midwife, I'm a personal trainer, and I'm a mum to two delicious little boys. And sometimes I'm a wife. I don't do that role very well at the moment. <laughs> that's, on the, that, that's pushed down to the bottom of the food pile at the moment or the food order, the food chain. The food chain, that's what I was trying to say. I'm also very sleep deprived because I have a 12-week-old and a four-year-old. Um, or nearly four-year-old. He's four next week. He keeps telling me he's wow. nearly four. Oh, you're incredible. So I got into this pelvic floor world because I had suffered from severe incontinence since I was 19 and so basically got to a point post the birth of my first son after horrific pregnancy filled with lots of vomiting and subsequently wetting myself all day, every day. I had an epic birth and I was like, I can heal myself. I can do this. If I can grow and birth a baby, then I can heal myself. And so I started going into looking into the research and then looking into what um, people were doing and um, got to a stage where I was in, not incontinent uh, for a period of about by about six months, I was like, holy shit, I haven't wet myself. Like this is the longest I have have gone in more, what was it, by then like 13 years of not wetting myself. And so then I tried to get back into fitness and the fitness world is not postpartum friendly. Um, the majority of the fitness world is not postpartum friendly and there is not enough knowledge about there about uh, out there about how long it takes to actually heal. 
And so I decided to become a personal trainer and I started running exercise sessions for women in my area. And I was very open in those sessions and started saying, if you have diastasis recti, this is what you should do. And everyone was like, what's diastasis recti? And if you leak yourself when you do star jumps, this is how you should do star jumps and this is how you should do this and this. And and the more you create a safe space for women, the more they are willing to share. And once they open those gates, boy, do they open those gates. It's like we carry so much trauma around with us. I think we're getting better at speaking about it, but there are still so many people who contact me and I'm the first and only person that they've spoken to about their issues, which is heartbreaking that so many of us carry around so much trauma, are so debilitated day by day by our issues and not even our partners know about them. So I was incontinent uh, for 11, 11, almost 12 years before my husband knew. And the only reason he found out was because when I would vomit in front of him, I'd wet myself in front of him. It's just not something you'd be like, Hey honey, guess what? I wet myself today. Like it's, it's not something that you are proud of or that you want to talk about. And it's not sexy. Um, smelling like urine is definitely not sexy. I think that was definitely something that I thought about, like, oh, women in low-income countries that don't have good support or are having babies at, you know, 12 with a pelvis that's too small, they're issues that they get. Like you kind of think you're invincible until you're the person wetting yourself too. I realized quickly that I couldn't teach the techniques because there's a lot of theory and a lot of body understanding that we don't have because it's not in our school system, it's not in our education system, um, and we don't talk about it. So lots of us are told to contract our pelvic floors, but we don't know what our pelvic floors are or where they are and how to do it properly. And so we're told to do something and then we don't know if we're doing it right and so then we stop doing it. Um And so I realized very quickly that you can't teach people everything that they need to know in an exercise class. It needs to be its own program. And so I developed a program which is now Corn Floor Restore and started teaching it face-to-face in my community. And it just was phenomenal. I had women coming up to me that were like, I can go down the street without being scared. Or Mm. I now enjoy having sex with my partner. And, you know, that's a huge thing postnatally. Like my vagina feels like it should feel. And um, all these kind of comments are like, yeah, I'm not wetting myself anymore. I don't have to stick my fingers into my vagina to poo. And I was like, sorry, what? You're doing what? (laughs) And that's a reality. A lot of women with posterior wall prolapse, so what they call used to call rectocele, and it still gets called rectocele, but it's now posterior wall prolapse women have to stick their fingers into their vagina to splint to so create this splint to enable the rectum to be in the position above the anus to be able to poo and so many women are doing this day to day in silence they could be your very best friends and you have no idea it's not something you go you know you don't catch up and do those beautiful maternity leave coffee shop experiences, which so many people miss because of COVID. So there was lack of communication there and lack of um, opportunity to share in general. It's not something you go and say, yeah, I'm going to have a soy latte, thanks, and, oh, by the way, I have to stick my fingers in my vagina to poo. Are you doing that? Like it's not something we openly share. I had a couple of really good friends that were like, B, you are onto something here. This is really important. And I was like, yeah, I want every woman in Australia to do this course. And they were like, well, we'll put it online. And so I did. And 
very luckily had it all done just before COVID and then got some really great opportunities with some really um, cool podcasts. And then I did some free antenatal classes, which have been watched by like 30,000 people now. So the word spread and I've never done any advertising. It's basically been by a teller woman. <laughs> Everyone tells tells their women about me um, and that's how people find me, which I love that authentic growth. And I love that it's working for people so well that they're able to have those conversations. And, it, and I love that it is generating talk and that now the messages I get are people saying, I spoke to my friend and and all my friends having this and you know it's just lovely to know that we're talking about our vaginas and anuses as much as we are talking about our babies because it needs to be equal if not more so but heavily based on the woman postpartum yeah honestly it's so true I love it I love that this came out of one something that was happening to you and you're like right I don't want any other woman to go through this again and it's so funny all the, all the women I'm speaking to at the moment that have done similar things or kind of created other things in the breastfeeding world or whatever, it's all come from them having an experience where they just do not want to ever see another woman go through that. And I yeah. think we're solving problems and they're problems we need to be talking about. And I'm, I've seen birth time come out. I know that has created so much conversation in the birth world and the postpartum care world. I actually think we're in a new movement and we're in the rise of actually women standing by women and starting to have more of these conversations because we really want to see women not be in pain. And I think we kind of have this horrible experience in first world countries where we all just put on this brave face and make out that we can do everything and we can get back to work at six weeks. And it's just this whole facade and deep down women actually crushing inside. And you yeah. get to talk about all big topics that I reckon would have birth is already full on you poo in birth you get stitches there's blood there's fluid like I remember having my legs up and getting stitches and my husband walked past the baby and he was like well this is full on like this is full on well even when my placenta birthed and it was this massive thing the size of my head and it fell into my undies I was so ashamed I waddled out to the ladies and I just remember that feeling like what's happening to me like what's yeah. happening to me am I I felt like my vagina's falling out. Like it was this horrible wave and that stopped at least at that point. I can't imagine what it's like for women where this goes on for months and months and possibly even years. Yeah, and so birth is often, often the beginning because I see women in their 60s and 70s that have carried these postpartum issues with them for life and a lot of issues that we experience as we age like things like back pain and incontinence and things like that are often connected to our birth and we've just never healed so my osteopath often talks about the fact that she sees women in her 60s and there's still leftover issues from pregnancy and birth because it takes the biggest toll on the body and there is this huge misbelief in our society that at six weeks we're healed we're magically healed everything goes back into place and that's the end of postpartum but a boom but a bang off you go and it's only just the beginning it's really you know and we have not enough information in society and birth time was created by one of my good friends uh, joe hunter and i studied together and I'm so proud of that and if you're listening to this and you haven't seen birth time please see it but I feel like we need postpartum time I feel like we need a sequel to it that exposes everything that women are going through and I think the really important thing with my page is a lot of women are able to show their partners my posts 
and that facilitates a conversation in the relationship too, which is often really needed. And there's a lot of trauma that specifically male partners carry with them around birth and that heads into postpartum too. So you know how you, your partner was like, whoa, this is full on. Like, And then it gets harder if women are experiencing things like prolapse um, because it's mentally and physically debilitating. And I know I yell and get really angry with my partner for little things that I'm not actually upset about, but I'm just really pissed off at my body body and so I take it out on him and um, yeah it's really easy to see why the divorce rate is as high as it is post kids when you think about all the trauma physically and mentally that surrounds pregnancy birth and postpartum without being too negative because I I mean I've had two epic births and I think birth should be and is biologically meant to be the most empowering event of your entire life and it's Mm -hmm. devastating that most people get ripped off that and my partner you know my hubby thinks that birth is just the coolest thing in the world and he's been able to experience two incredible home births and you know it was yeah so his his idea of it is that it's epic (laughs) which I'm glad I was able to give that to him because that's what I talked about for 10 years before he ever got to be at a birth so um I would have very well ill prepared him if I hadn't birthed the way I did (laughs) because um he only ever heard you know, he heard all the stuff, but I think he was as excited about me giving birth as I was. But I'm getting off topic. <laughs> I'm good at that. We kind of, for all the women listening, because they've now had a really big awakening and overview into what's actually happening out there for women. And there's women listening that are like, that's me. And then you're like, so what do I do? Other than just jump over to your Instagram page and look at your course and all of that and take that step. What is it that women can be doing during their pregnancy? or even leading up to wanting to get pregnant. Like for myself, I was at Pilates. I had all the girls checking my like abdominal area postpartum. I had a really, I felt like I was really, really support on this journey that I had no idea with. They were all mums. They all had a huge focus on that stuff. But for women that maybe don't do Pilates or maybe do other forms of exercise that could be really high intensity or aren't really sure what they're meant to be doing during their pregnancy, just give us some Just give us some advice around that just so women can have some confidence. So if you can get into this preconception, most people say to me, I wish I'd done your course before I had kids. I wish I had that knowledge. So it's about understanding your pelvic floor and core. So doing Pilates is great, but it's not great if you don't actually know how to activate your muscles and release them correctly with exercise. So many of us bear down and hold our breath when we do core exercises. So you think your core is engaged, you're actually putting a lot of pressure on your pelvic floor. And so engaging your core does not involve sucking your belly button into your spine, which is what we're cued to do in most exercise classes. Um, And so we are we are a pressurized unit meaning that when something goes into our body things need to expand and shift and move out of the way so when things go into our body typically it's breath so when we inhale and when we exhale everything kind of rebounds and so i can remember doing yoga for years and years and them always talking about the breath the breath the breath the breath the breath and you're like what the fuck is the breath like who cares you just breathe we all know how to breathe and now i'm like oh the breath because <laughs> it's really important to know how your body works 
on those two different functions, so inhaling and exhaling, and how you can work with that rather than against it. And most of what we do works against it, which then works against our pelvic floor. And so we end up thinking we're doing good when we do damage. And the other thing we have people have a lot of issues with is pooing as well. So pooing is something I cover in the course because again with pressure. We need to be able to learn how to use the pressure in our body to be able to poo effectively as opposed to bearing down and straining, which a lot of constipation is a big issue, um, not just in pregnancy, but in our health in general and based on our diets and our lack of movement and lack of water. I don't know why water is so hard to drink for everybody, but it is. It never was for me until I had kids and now I, for some reason, can't drink <laughs> but um that affects us hugely so you know people always like do your kegels do your kegels do your kegels it's not just about your kegels it is about everything that you do throughout your day so everyday movements how you pick things up off the ground how you hang the washing out how you lift your children to how you exercise to how you do pilates how you actually engage your core in that pilates class and a lot of it is trying to reach a lot of what i teach is retrain in your body to move correctly and exercise correctly and to undo a lot of incorrect movement that we have learnt to do based on our environment. So in many low-income countries where they don't have creature comforts like cars and couches and tables and chairs, they move correctly and so their body is a lot more better off than our bodies they are conditioned correctly and their muscles are a lot healthier whereas we sit on couches we slump we're on our phones all the time and we're going back to that ape-like shape because we're not moving the way we should so we should be sitting in squats we should be coming up and down in a squat but most adults in high-income countries can't squat Um, and people always say oh it's an Asian thing the Asian people can squat no we all could squat and if you look at your children that is one of the first moves they master and my four-year-old can still and still does squat and that is one of my missions in life is to never let him lose his squat so I sit in a supported squat to play with him to let him do that but the more time he spends at school the harder it is for him to squat because they're encouraged to sit cross-legged and at tables which is really disheartening but yeah so it's about learning how your body works learning about your pelvic floor and your core because the core the pelvic floor is part of the core it's just the floor of it meaning the floor of the pelvis pelvic floor and then learning how to retrain your brain so if you do experience incontinence like I always contract my pelvic floor before I sneeze or I cough and so it's about retraining them to do what they know what to do what they used to know oh I haven't had much sleep <laughs> but I know everyone every mom listening along is like it's heavy content like you're talking about the body and you're trying to get the words out while you're saying that reminded me of how the Japanese actually from what I understand my sister-in-law's actually got one of these I'm pretty sure it's like a special stool that actually elevates the leg so when you're actually on the toilet the way that our legs hang on the toilet is actually not what's great for going to the toilet actually yep. to lift the knees up and that we're tilting down is actually the best way to poo. So it's called the squatty potty and um, it's a big it's thing hilarious. that I teach. So the yeah, Western toilets, I always say that if I could get rid of one thing in the house, it would be the Western toilet because yeah. um, it's and ruined our pelvic floors and it ruins our pelvic floors from childhood. So um, 
it's about teaching your kids good pelvic floor health too from the beginning and so that they always so my son poos with his knees higher than his hips and he knows how to oh there's a technique I teach called ulcha and he knows how to do that and I often get messages off people who are doing my course and they let me know that their kids are now having better toilet experiences as well which is really cool because toileting for kids you go they go from most of them squat in a nappy and then you stick them on a really high seat that is hollow and that at the end of it there's water yeah so they're used to pooing and having that poo sitting on their bum and then all of a sudden it drops out of them and it makes a big splash so it drops down this big cave which is the toilet into the water and it big splash like it's really scary for them so it's really hard for them to relax for a lot of kids it's really scary and it's hard for them to relax and actually poo and you need to be relaxed to poo so that the sphincter opens and then they're not in the correct position and so so many parents think their kids are constipated once they get a bit bigger and start sitting on the toilet by themselves and actual fact it's just poo posture and so the causes of my pelvic floor incontinence the reason I was incontinent at 19 had to do with the childhood of constipation which is why I'm really passionate about pooing and also hay fever so that chronic sneezing so we know that chronic coughs and chronic sneezing so people that experience hay fever have an increased risk of pelvic floor issues because they're constantly putting all that downward exertion on their pelvic floor through coughs and sneeze. And I, I now have a prolapse and I am certain that my prolapse, I had a cough for about six weeks at the end of my pregnancy, so from around 33 oh. to 39 weeks, and it hurt like it was horrible and I could I really feel like what I felt was the fascia. So fascia is... Um, if you know if you cook with meat there's that white film over the meat like chicken you see that white film that's fascia and it surrounds every muscle and then it it, it acts as splints and so there is a there's fascia between the bladder and the uterus and so when there's damage to that fascia, fascia that's where we get the prolapse because it's not holding those organs in place anymore I reckon I could feel it tearing when, when I was coughing oh, no. I reckon that's what the pain I was experiencing was in hindsight now that I look back at it um, and now that I have this prolapse I'm almost certain that that's what it's from exceptionally and those of you that are pregnant and exercising understanding your body and being able to listen to it and that's only something that I've really been able to get a really good grasp on in the last couple of years and since I've become a mum but being able to listen to my body and know that exercise doesn't have to be a 45 minute high intensity sweat sesh if that's not the best thing for my body so all I do now is on the ground exercises, really gentle restorative stuff to try and heal. So all the stuff that you go to your physio and your physio tells you to do and then you never do, like that is exercise. And I do them in five to ten minute little goes sometimes I get a 20 minute session in and I'm satisfied with that it doesn't have to be like a lot of people think exercise has to be an hour long away from their home child free it it doesn't and yes that might be more enjoyable and it may connect you with your identity and what you long to be connected with but it's not often what is helpful and so you really have to do what your body needs and so being able to listen so some days I'll do a side plank with both my feet both my legs straight and then other times I'm not feeling that and so I'll bend my knees and so the programs that I teach it's mainly my biggest thing is to try to teach you to do you and learn 
lots of different modifications of the same exercise so that you have that knowledge to go, okay, today I'm feeling really heavy in my pelvic floor. My prolapse symptoms are pretty strong and my back's been hurting. So I really need to slow it down and just focus on connecting and doing some gentle core stuff. So it's not this universal list of do this and don't do that, which a lot of people sell, and that's just fear-mongering. It's basically learn what you can do and what is good for you in that moment, in that actual exercise session, and that's what I really try hard to do with my programs so that people have that confidence in their own body and being able to read it and know what's right and what's wrong at the time. And that's exactly what birth is. Like if you feel confident in your pregnancy and your, I remember doing my exercises at Pilates and I kept, I would modify all the time without the teacher actually telling me because I just knew that didn't make my hips feel good or that didn't feel good on my tummy. I felt so good because I luckily I'd been doing it for a while that I could think in my head some other exercises that were kind of the same that made me feel comfortable. And I continue that all through my postpartum care. And even now, it's only been one year since I gave birth, I still go in there and I still change my exercises if I'm yeah. not feeling great. And it, it is empowering and that's what birth is. No one can ever tell you how you're going to birth. You'll have all these different ways that you know you can birth and you'll end up doing the complete opposite to what you thought and you couldn't believe how amazing that felt. And you just feel into your body. And I love that you said that. Hey mama, I know this episode has been packed with so much information. There has been poo talk and bum talk and vagina talk and it's just been all the things this morning. So I would love if we could take a quick break and have a think about any women in your life, any mamas that need to hear from B. Are they struggling? Have you ever had any of these open conversations that B's been talking about? Or is there a mama in your world that you can just check in with and say, hey, how is everything going postpartum? I was listening to this podcast today. I was learning all about these different parts of the body and what can happen after birth. I just wanted to check in and make sure you're okay or send this podcast episode to someone, share it on your Instagram. That would mean the world to me. And if we can continue to spread this message to as many mums as possible, we are going to see a shift in our culture and we're going to see mums supported in a totally new and refreshing way. So get ready. We have the rest of the episode and you're going to absolutely love it. But I would love to know, and I think lots of mums would love to know, so what are you actually doing right now for your prolapse? Like are you just doing what you said, feeling into your body every day with gentle stretches and exercise? So I'm 13 weeks postpartum now um, and I am only doing on-the-floor work or exercises that I do in the core and floor program. So gentle activation of the core and pelvic floor and then just lots of exercises that strengthen areas that support the pelvis. So lengthening muscles that are tight and strengthening muscles that are weak. So we often talk about strong pelvic floor and strong muscles. We don't just want strength, we want length as well. So when you go to an exercise class and you do 45 minutes of exercise and then a five minute cool down, that really isn't enough for our muscles. And so lots of people that exercise end up needing to get regular massages or they go and see physios because we're not spending as much time lengthening as we are stretching 
strengthening. And so a lot of people have issues with pelvic floor tightness, which is something I had as well. And that came about because I really started clenching my butt and I was a real bum clencher and that can come about with weakened core as well but I think mine was more anxiety and stress related and when you're constantly clenching your bum or sitting the muscles get shortened and so we see this pelvic floor shortening and you end up with the one of the biggest signs of a tight pelvic floor is uh tailbone pain and so mm-hmm. um learning how to lengthen that as well. So I'm doing a lot of lengthening and I've finally recovered from that. So I had a tight pelvic floor my whole pregnancy and it can cause issues with birth. For me, luckily it didn't, um, but it can cause issues with positioning for babies, especially around that first birth. A baby gets a bit asynclitic, which means it's heads to its side, like it's chins to its shoulder. And so it doesn't uh, dilate the cervix very well. Well, um, and then you end up with a labour that's um, stalled and, you know, ending up with the cascade of intervention. And so I had that my whole pregnancy and it drove me batshit crazy because it hurts. It really hurts, that tailbone pain. It's debilitating and annoying. And then probably around eight to nine weeks postpartum, I was finally able to, in the postpartum period, do the stretches and get into positions to be able to lengthen the pelvic floor that I couldn't when I was pregnant because a lot of them involved being on your back and moving the pelvis in ways that the pregnancy doesn't often allow. So I worked a lot on lengthening and then with the prolapse, I work a lot on strengthening the glutes, the hips, the core, all those supporting muscles of the pelvic floor, as well as my pelvic floor activations and release. And I add exercises to that. So I don't just Kegel. I learn how to contract my pelvic floor or I teach how to contract my pelvic floor with exercise. So it's constantly contracting and lengthening as it should and then lots of elevation stuff to take the gravity off the pelvic floor i'm also doing osteopathy physio and acupuncture for the prolapse um and then i swim swimming is my mental health check because i'm not with my kids and i can just get in the pool and clear the thoughts yeah i used to run marathons were my thing and i'd love to get back into that if I can, if I can't, I'll probably get into cycling because I do like mountain biking and my hubby loves it too and that's a bit kinder on the pelvic floor. So I'm just sussing out. I'm not doing any standing exercises. I do sometimes do light weights, so just a kilo, and I do them seated. So nothing standing, taking all that pressure off the pelvic floor. I am starting to do pelvic floor activation standing, especially on the days that I'm symptom free, but it takes six months for the body to heal postpartum without injury. So I'm being really kind and patient. You asked for a top mama tip before and I didn't give it, but that would be my biggest tip is to love yourself enough to be healthy, love yourself enough to put yourself first, know that you can heal and be kind and patient with the process. I think we live in a society where we're so able to easily access everything and have what we want but healing isn't one of those things and healing Mm. takes a lot of time a lot of patience and it's not just this linear line it goes up and down and around and around and so knowing that you are sometimes going to take one step forward and just accepting that is a big thing and I think also becoming a society where there's no pressure around 
you have to bounce back and be this skinny hot mom that you can prance around on social media. Like it's okay if it takes time for your belly to go down. It's okay if you're not back at your high intensity workouts. Like it's okay if you don't fit back into all the same clothes you had before you were pregnant. I think there's this real culture around like the faster you can get back to it and have your body back, like the cooler the mom you are or something. I don't know where this whole culture came from, but if you look back at ancient times, like mums wouldn't move for months. They would sit still. Aunties and cousins would come around and bring tea and rub their feet and nurture them and stay in this warmth and not be exposed. And it didn't matter what you looked like. It was like you just birthed. Like this expectation has put so much pressure on the exercise world as well. And mums and I saw a weight loss advertisement for a, a lactating weight loss protein powder for new mums. And I was like, that is not the message. And I screenshotted it. And I think I did post about it. It's like, that is not the message that mums need. That is not the thing they need popping up. Like, yeah, see, I'm not up. in that world. So I don't even, because it's the furthest away from my, that I can be. And I, I did do a post on my six week body, which looked phenomenal. I will say it looked, my body six weeks post birth looked phenomenal. And I think the biggest reason I did that is because some women physiologically or physically their bodies do go back really quickly and um they do look amazing and 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 skinny women cop a lot of flack too you know and there's almost I've got friends that can't put on weight that are on sustagen when they're breastfeeding because they can't hold the weight and everyone's like oh you're so lucky and they're like they're dying inside and I think the the biggest thing is to know that the women that you think look all right physically aren't always doing okay and you know I had a maternal child health nurse the other day say to me well you look really fit so you must be doing all right and I said actually I've got a prolapse and it's really physically and mentally debilitating um and she didn't know what to say to that and she meant she meant it as a compliment and I took it as a compliment but I also think there's this we assume we assume that oh she physically looks fine and she looks like she did post pre-pregnancy so she must be fine it's like well my insides are falling out and I can't lift up my kids and I can't do what I want to do. So actually, no, I'm not doing okay. And so, yeah, I'll put a post up no matter what I look like and I, mm. I don't care. And I, I'm always doing stories. I've never got makeup on. I've never got my hair done. Sometimes I do and I never, ever comment on it because I don't care. I, I don't mm. care. I know So sometimes, yeah, I look great and other times I don't and that's reality and that's – and I've never – ever commented on that and I do that on purpose because I want to create a safe space and I think I do it unintentionally now that I don't feel like what you're talking about exists but it obviously does I want to love myself I don't want to compare myself to anything and what you're comparing yourself to isn't real either you're comparing yourself to something that you're assuming because you never actually like you know there's always a story behind a photo um gosh yes disappointing that that stuff is being advertised I didn't oh, I'm glad I, I don't say that and I totally can relate to the skinny thing like I naturally have a more narrow body I did bounce back quite quick and people would always like make comments or say oh you've just got good genes I'm like well actually you don't know anything about my gene pool I have lots of food intolerances I've been to the chiropractor every week since postpartum I'm like do you know how much money I've spent on getting adjust because I have mild scoliosis so I was yeah. really on top of all of that and it, it holding my baby and nursing my baby and bouncing my baby for 12 months is the worst thing for someone that has a mild scoliosis and I'm like yeah 
to be honest, I'd be pretty keen to trade some of my genes right now. <laughs> just yeah. because just doesn't mean you have good genes. Like there's so much yeah. more to your genes than just the narrow frame of your body. I'm like, yeah. I go to Pilates in pain. Like that's actually why I go is because I have yeah. to keep moving. If I get stiff, I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with having a good body postpartum. I just yeah. happen to respond well to exercise yeah. and whatever. But yeah. I love that you said that. One final thing I would love to know and without like triggering any mums out there, I would love to know by doing your program during pregnancy and and really focusing on learning your body and knowing how to move your body and really activating those muscles that you talked about. Have you got testimonies back and have you seen a, a decrease in that cascade of intervention during women's birth because they've been able to support their body? So research shows us that if you do pelvic floor exercises during your pregnancy, you will have a decreased pushing time and decreased tearing. Um, research has also shown that if you exercise during pregnancy, you have a higher chance of having a more efficient and effective labour. So in terms of time outcome, in terms of vaginal birth versus instrumental, and then we look at education. So there's two different things that I've got. I've got free antenatal classes, and so I'm a midwife, and there's eight of them, and they're at least an hour long, and they're Auslan translated for those that need that as well. I really talk a lot there around pain as being physiological, not pathological. So pathological pain is when you cut yourself or um, when you break a bone, it's your body responding to injury as opposed to physiological. So your uterus is a muscle that contracts um, and that is a physiological pain, just like you have physiological pain when you exercise. And so the antenatal classes teach a lot of that stuff, but they also teach around the shit show that can happen, that cascade of intervention. Um, And so the biggest feedback I've got from those courses are the pain management techniques I teach. There's something called horse's breath that I teach that everyone loves. There's lots of different tips and tricks and a lot of the feedback I get is that the partners have loved the classes and so the partners there become excited and more involved in the birth, which we know has um, impacts for more positive birth experience for everyone. But, yeah, I've received hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages about people having epic births and some of those have been vaginal drug-free and others have been the complete shit show, the cascade of intervention that they didn't want to happen. But at the end of it, you know, and I've received this same message from so many different people and they often write, on paper my birth looked traumatic but I don't feel like it was. I feel like it was really empowering and the reason I do is because I understood everything that happened and I had a choice and I made sure I was listened to and that is the biggest thing it doesn't actually matter how the baby comes out or where the baby comes out the most important thing is that people feel that they were heard and that they had a choice but they also had the information to make that informed choice and so that was the biggest thing in my antenatal classes is trying to encourage that and I've had some backlash from the medical world around that because people are starting to decline things um, and they don't like it but it's about choice and our healthcare system promotes informed choice and promotes the the patient should, and I hate the word patient, but that's the word the healthcare system uses, that the patient should be centred, the care should be centred around the patient, meaning that care should be individualised to your needs, which means you should be able to ask questions and say yes or no to anything. As long as you're informed about it and you know the pros and cons and you're making the decision that's right for you. And that's all I've ever 
promoted. I haven't promoted decline this or have this, you know, because not everything is right for everyone. Some people are going to have epic home births and feel really safe having a home birth and other people are going to have epic cesareans that are elective and they feel really comfortable in that environment. It's not about what I want for you. It's about what you want for you. Knowing that you have the right to say yes or no and you have the right to control what happens to your body and your baby. There's been incredible feedback from the classes and then the pregnancy program is designed to get you to mentally prepare for birth and prepare for that physiological pain. So it's still suitable for people having elective cesareans because a cesarean is a massive abdominal surgery and we need to be as healthy as we possibly can for that, but also for postpartum recovery. But also the the pregnancy program is designed to get you to mentally and physically be capable, you know, to be in the, your best mental and physical health for birth. But also the same techniques we use to prepare and strengthen in pregnancy is what we use postpartum to heal. And so if you can learn that when you're pregnant and you have that knowledge and that skill and you can move into postpartum. So I'm doing stuff postpartum that most people won't be because I already have the strength. I continued and maintained my strength in pregnancy and I have it postpartum. Whereas so many people get to postpartum, they're sleep deprived and what they should be doing in the postnatal period to heal, they're not because they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the headspace and then all of a sudden they're eight to 12 months postpartum and now they're trying to deal with it and they've missed a really big chunk of time to be actually healing and addressing it. So learning that in pregnancy really assists with that postpartum healing. There's testimonials and reviews on the website but so many people just send me text messages and I often just share them onto stories so they come and go I started a highlights but there's just too many of them which is cool I've got two and a half thousand people doing the program now in just under 12 months so it's gone crazy which is amazing and hopefully it continues and we um, can you know people all around the world are doing it and hopefully the knowledge enables more healing and more epic births. I love it. And what do we do best as women? We talk. And if we can be filling our mouths with positive things and educational things and empowerment and referring women that, you know, in conversation that are worried about their pelvic floor or have the doctors say things to them or whatever's going on, if we can be sharing this type of stuff over cups of tea and coffee, we're going to see a massive wildfire spread of empowered birth and um, empowered postpartum and I'm really believing through this entire positive movement that we're going to see a decrease in postnatal depression because the rates are just way too high in Australia and around the world, but particularly first world countries, they're really high. Um, so I love what you're doing. I, I totally understand why you'd be getting many, many, many testimonies coming through because <laughs> there's not enough of this out there. When people find a good thing, they want to share about it because yeah. women want And I'm sure women have come to you as well on their second and third births and recoveries of their second and third babies and are feeling so wonderfully different compared to their first. And that's also been a massive like second chance for them and another go at having a positive experience that they might not have got the first time because they weren't educated. And that lasts with a mum forever. Like they'll remember that second or third birth where they felt amazing compared to the first one and they got that second chance. So 
It's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're feeling sleep deprived and you've got so much going on and you've got these two and a half thousand women <laughs> pumping through your programs, but I really appreciate it. And I'm really passionate about getting this message out as well. And I know thousands of women are going to continue to use your program and, and feel pelvically strong. <laughs> balance. 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 So thank you oh. so much, Reed. Go get some sleep. Coffee. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together. 